4: let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast.
6: Well, hello and welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. I'll be sitting in for him today. And I love it when I have a chance to join with his audience, particularly now as we end the year and we're going into a brand new year and with so much expectation and hope and well-founded, by the way, I might add. So look, I'll look forward to talking to you. You can call into the show. The phone number is 800- 941-SEAN. That's 800-941 Sean, I want to say thanks to Jason and Linda in New York, my producer here in Pittsburgh, Greg Maxwell and it's just it's such an honor and you know, I was thinking about my relationship with Sean and Linda and Jason over the years and they are really the salt of the earth, they are people that it's very difficult, in fact, to find people like them, I just I love them so much and it's uh, just such an honor to be with them today and to be with you today, so I do want your phone calls at 800-941 Sean, my name is Rose. I do a show called Rose Unplugged out of Pittsburgh. You can check me out on social media, on Facebook and Periscope. It's Rose Unplugged. And on Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. Now, on Tuesday, Mike Huckabee had tweeted that he believed a comparison could be made between President Trump and Winston Churchill. Apparently, Huckabee had just seen the film The Darkest Hour, and that's the story of Churchill's experiences while he was prime minister during World War II. So Huckabee called it a reminder of what real leadership looks like. In fact, he tweeted this. Churchill was hated by his own party, opposition party, and the press. Sound familiar, anybody? Feared by King as reckless and despised for his bluntness. (laughs) But unlike Neville Chamberlain, He didn't retreat. We had a Chamberlain for eight years, Huckabee tweeted. And at Real Donald Trump, we have a Churchill. Now, of course, immediately in response to that, David Fromm tweeted, Churchill fought for freedom against tyrants. Isn't that kind of what we're doing here? And Trump gives comfort to authoritarians. Your fanboyism is absurd. So David Trump offering further proof that the left really still doesn't get Donald Trump. And quite frankly, it's doubtful that they ever, ever will. If you think about it, from the time that Trump came down that escalator in Trump Tower to today, this this is 342 days into his presidency. He has been a lot like Churchill. He's been hated by everybody. Honest to God, it's the same thing. People in his own party, people in the opposing party, the press. I mean, just you name it, they hate him, except for those of us who support him. Now, Churchill once said that a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, but an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And I, I really think that that's been true of President Trump. I mean, he took one look at the swamp, that's Washington, D.C., a look at our economy, a look at our national security, and he saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity. In those difficulties, he saw opportunity. An opportunity to fix what he saw was broken. And quite honestly, there's no one else that could have done the job especially not the way Trump has done it. He has done it in the midst of criticism. He's done it where he didn't even have the support of his own party many times. Now, in the end here with tax reform, they all came together, thank God. But quite honestly, there was no one else to do the job. Not at all like Trump has done it and will continue to do it. And he's done it very well. You know, I, I've, I've said for a very long time that when I look at Trump, I simply see a man who loves this country, period, and a man who probably, in large part, because of his success in his own life and his in his businesses and his personal life, he has had such success that he believes that he could fix the country that he loved, a country that he saw needed fixed. I see him like as the mechanic who's driving along the freeway. The mechanic sees a broken down car and the poor stranded owner of the car standing next to that car. Now, this man, this mechanic, not unlike Trump, has things he needs to do. There's a place he needs to be, otherwise, he wouldn't be on the freeway, right? But he can't continue his travel without stopping. And why? Because just like Trump, who had places to be and things to do, he had a successful life. He was fine. But he couldn't continue his travel without stopping because just like that mechanic, the mechanic who knew that he had the knowledge and the tools that were necessary to fix that broken vehicle, to make the vehicle great again, to get the vehicle on the road and taking its owner where he needs to be. Trump, Trump is that mechanic. He's already in just 342 days made tremendous strides towards making America great again towards making it possible for those of us like the owner of that vehicle to get back on the road of life and get where we need to be, where we want to be, where our dreams lie, down that road. But we weren't a broken vehicle. Look, we have leadership that's not afraid to take unpopular stands. Our founding fathers never took a popular stand, but they persevered. And because they persevered, they're responsible for making America great in the first place. And I never thought that Trump really looked at the world through the same political eyes that perhaps you and I do or did, the way we used to. He doesn't view it as a conservative or as a liberal. I don't think he's an ideologue. And I really don't think he's a political person. And I think that's been made absolutely and abundantly clear. He just doesn't see the world that way. And a lot of us got that. We continue to get that, but we got that when it was time to vote. When we looked at him, we didn't necessarily see a liberal or a conservative, but we did see something that we hadn't seen in the previous eight years, and that's a man that simply loves this country. He believes in this country. He believes in the greatness of this country, and, and you know what? He makes no apologies for that. As a matter of fact, there were no apology tours after he was elected. And he took that same determination, the same determination that we had seen from our forefathers and other great leaders in this country. He took that same commitment to country and had every intention, and still does, I believe, to continue in his quest to make America great again. So you know what? I agree with Huckabee. The president reminds me, too, of Churchill. He kept us safe and is protecting us from what could have been some very dark hours indeed. Yeah. Yeah, Huckabee, I think you're right. He's very much like Churchill. And there's lots to talk about this afternoon on The Sean Hannity Show. We're going to cover the latest on North Korea with Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. I'll have a conversation with D.C. McAllister and Daniel McLaughlin. We're going to talk about sexual harassment. And then my friend Greg Jarrett, whom I just adore, and apparently Linda does too, will join me to discuss the latest in the Mueller investigation and where we need to go from here in the next year. I'm Rose Tennant sitting in for my awesome friend Sean Hannity. Stay with me. Lots more coming up. Check me out on social media. Rose Unplugged on Facebook at Rose underscore Unplugged on Twitter. We'll be right back. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. I'll be sitting in for him this afternoon. You can check me out on social media. It's Rose Unplugged on Facebook and on Periscope. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. The phone number, because I'd love to talk to you, I love talking to his audience, is 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-SEAN. Hang in there. I'll get to the phone callers in just a moment. Our friend, in fact, Linda's the one who introduced me to her a long time ago, and we've become friends, and I just simply adore her wrote a piece for The Daily Caller, and she wrote about another failed prediction by Weekly Standards' Bill Crystal. He had tweeted that tax reform won't even get a vote in Congress. He did that earlier. He said he'd be surprised if it made it through committee in either house. That's one of his tweets from this summer. So when he was asked by The Daily Caller about his August tax reform package prediction, which I just read to you, he responded Saturday night in an email, I was wrong. No kidding, Sherlock, because I'll tell you something. This guy hasn't been right for a very long time. Pickett wrote that Crystal criticized the tax reform package that Republicans passed and Trump signed. And he actually slammed the $1,000 bonuses that companies were giving to their employees. He tweeted, don't the $1,000 bonuses suggest the big corporations didn't really need a tax cut for capital investment? You know, he said, if they're so flush with cash, perhaps they didn't need a tax cut at all. And if we just want to borrow from the future to give out money today, why the corporate middleman? Why are you so I mean, why is this so difficult for Crystal to understand? It's astounding to me. It's absolutely astounding to me. You know, so many of us have stock in these businesses. So many depend on these businesses for our own livelihoods. And Kerry points out that he has a history of failed predictions. And according to Kerry Pickett, they are legendary around the beltway and often mocked. Apparently, in 2011, The Atlantic listed some of Crystal's worst Predictions, including former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, would run for the presidency against Hillary Clinton and Clinton would win. In 2015, he noted Crystal's prediction when he said Barack Obama is not going to beat Hillary Clinton in a single Democratic primary. I'll predict that right now. Ooh. Politico pointed to a few of Crystal's bad predictions last year. Prediction of 2016, uh, GOP MVP will be Reince Priebus, who steps up, ensures open convention, I remember this, saves the party from Trump, and produces a ticket that wins in November. I remember that tweet. I just laughed and laughed. And if I remember correctly... <laughs> A lot of other people were laughing with me. So then Billy Crystal on Twitter, May 29th, 2016, said, There will be an independent candidate, an impressive one with a strong team and a real chance. Crystal predicted one week before Christmas that Trump would fire Attorney General Jeff Sessions and replace him with Scott Pruitt. Additionally, he claimed that Jared Kushner would be indicted and Congress would fail to avoid a government shutdown, among other failed predictions. I was shocked to find out that Bill Crystal was wrong so often in his predictions, said absolutely no one. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Let's start with... John, I believe he's been on the phone the longest. Hello, John. How are you? Calling from Chicago, Illinois. Hey,
2: great to see you again, Rose. Uh, I love when you fill in. You got a great radio voice. Um, Thank you. I know why Sean picks you. Plus, your attitude is fantastic. Thanks for exposing Bill Crystal. He deserves it. He's another one of those phony Republicans. Uh, he, he's not even a Rhino. I think he's a liberal in disguise. But uh, quick story for you. I'm as happy about you. i uh, happier than most people about Trump being. Um, in, in office, because I told somebody like three years before we announced he's going to run, even before he even entertained the thought, although he entertained it back with Oprah like in the 80s, but they wanted him to run. But uh, he, when he won, I was like, it was like a dream come true. I was just so elated. And uh, you're right. He's he's a, he's a leader. He's a true uh, American, and uh, he doesn't care what people think. It's fantastic. It's, it's such a breath of fresh air, don't, don't you think?
6: Oh, I absolutely do. Now, I remember when he announced that he was going to run, I remember sitting on the edge of my seat in my family room as I'm watching Fox News and I'm thinking, oh, what the heck? I can't believe this dude is saying all of this. I can't believe it. But uh, I have to say, at first, I wasn't quite sure. My husband was on board from the very beginning, but very quickly I began to see that we needed somebody like Trump. We just couldn't continue business as usual. We just really couldn't, John. And I'm so very thrilled that, That he won. I really am. And you know what? Nothing he does bothers me. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Not even his tweets. I mean, some of them I find disagreeable, but I don't care. Tweet on, baby. Tweet on. Do whatever you're doing because I'll tell you what. These last 342 days have been awesome. He's made a lot of progress. What what was it? Um, uh, There was so much success. I have the story. We'll get to it later. Just in one year, 81 major Trump achievements and 11 Obama legacy items that have been repealed. That's just in one year. That's in 342 days, not even a full year. All right. I mean, he has done so much already. John, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely
2: thrilled. Yeah, me too. Hey, have a great uh, rest of the holiday season and uh, thanks for guest hosting.
6: Thank you for your kind phone call. I appreciate that. Our phone number here uh, at the Sean Hannity Show is 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-SEAN, and there's lots to talk about this afternoon on the Sean Hannity Show. We'll cover the latest on North Korea, and and joining us will be Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. Also, I'm going to have a conversation with D.C. McAllister and Daniel McLaughlin, and that's regarding sexual harassment. You know, there have been times, and I have said this out loud, and I'm just wondering our, is our definition of sexual harassment too broad? Does it need to be very focused? Do we need to talk about that? And I think we do. We need to have a conversation. So we'll have that this afternoon. Also, my friend Greg Jarrett, whom I absolutely adore, is joining us to discuss the latest in the Mueller investigation and where we need to go from here in the next year so I would love it if you would just reach out to me on social media on Facebook it's Rose Unplugged on Twitter it's at Rose underscore unplugged and then on Periscope I made it really easy for you guess what it's Rose Unplugged yeah that's right so I'm enjoying my time here on the Sean Hannity show uh, there are phone calls I want to take I don't know if I have enough time do I have great let's take Dale on the fr- of calling from Miami Florida hello Hi, how are you?
7: Okay, you do have a great radio voice. So do you. <laughs> um You do too, babe. Hey, I'm so happy to say we finally got the real first black president in there.
6: Oh my gosh, is that right? Is that how you feel? That's he's, interesting. To me, he's a black he's a black man in spirit.
7: He's a black man in words. He's more black than Barack Obama was or is.
6: I'm certain that you're not taking a very popular stand within the black community. He's
7: got more black folks working, more black, young black men and women working on construction sites than we're in the past than we're in last year. And um, I think you're going to see more jobs.
6: Thank you, sweetie. Thanks so much for your call. And you know what? I think you are so right. And I think that you're going to see a lot more. And I think, um, for those in your, in the black community, I think things may change. Uh, their perspective may change and very quickly. Thank you for your phone call. I appreciate it. We'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity show. My name is Rose Tennant. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Listen, I'd love to have you call in. The phone number for the Sean Hannity show is 800-941-Sean. That's 800-941-Sean. I love talking to Sean's audience. You guys are awesome. Also, my name is Rose, sitting in for Sean today. Check me out on social media. On Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. So listen, thank God, thank God, thank God that Senator Jeff Flake is retiring He's the senator from Arizona. But on Sunday, he said that the crowds at the rallies for President Trump and other Republicans reflect spasms of a dying party. This was when he was on ABC's This Week. Take a listen to what he said.
8: When you look at some of the audiences uh, cheering for Republicans sometimes, you look out there and you say, uh, those are the spasms of a dying party. Uh, when you look at the lack of diversity sometimes.
6: Okay, Spasms of a dying party. You know what? I would suggest that it is he who represents the spasms of a dying party. If it's a dying party, then he's in the funeral procession. My bet is that he's thinking about a run for president and that Trump will be primaried, he's hoping, in 2020 by his own party. You know what? I don't think. Here's what I think. Flake is not running for re-election in 2018 because he has a sense that he's probably going to lose. He's been opposing Donald Trump since Trump was our nominee. I didn't like it. From the moment he was uh, contradicting Donald Trump as our GOP nominee, I was furious, absolutely furious. And by the way, he also had this to say about the path that this administration is on. Take a listen to this.
8: But I, do, I do believe if the president is running
9: for re-election, Uh, If he continues on the path that he's on, that that's going to leave a huge swath of voters looking for something else.
6: Which path does he mean? Does he mean the lower tax path? The less regulations path? The booming economy path? Is it the stronger foreign relations path? Or maybe it's the standing up to the U.N. path. Perhaps it's the pro-Israel path. The undoing of Obama regulations path. Exactly, Flake, which path are you speaking of? He just doesn't like Trump. He doesn't like his tweets. He doesn't like his personality. He probably doesn't like that Trump defied all of the elite standard operating procedures. That's just not how it's done. Trump is draining the bureaucratic swamp. And the Flakes in D.C. don't like it. They all have their little deals, their lobbyists and their special interests. You know what? It really bothers them that because Trump is a billionaire, he can't be bought. And I I have no doubt that that's really driving them nuts. Good old Jeff What's-in-a-name flake. I mean, this guy is loving—he loves every 15 minutes of fame that he can get. But I got to tell you something. He is way past his allotted 15 minutes. And I would say that stretching it, Flake, is probably not going to play out very well for you from here on out. And I would suggest that it hasn't so far. And that's why you're not running for re-election. You know when I hear him talk, and then I think about, re- remember this meeting that um, it, was, it was at the White House, and Orrin Hatch and McConnell, they were all, all the GOP leaders were praising Donald Trump. And guess what? They sounded to me to be very sincere. I have the audio. Take a listen. But
4: this has been a year of extraordinary accomplishment mm. for the Trump administration.
9: Mm-hmm. This president hasn't even been in office for a year. And look at all the things that he's been able to get done. Yeah, look. This is
10: a big day for America. Indeed. This is America's comeback.
4: He's got one of the best records of conservative accomplishment in his first 11 months in office of any president in American history, including, quite frankly, Ronald Reagan.
6: How about that? Flake still hasn't gotten over the fact that Trump is president, and he and the others like him, when speaking out against this president, are, they are the spasm of what is really at death's door. It's the hashtag Never Trumpers. It's that faction of the party that is dying. And may they rest in peace or not. We'll take your phone calls right now. The phone number is 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-SEAN. Let me take a look here. Let's take Dominic calling from Chicago. Hey, Dominic, how are you doing?
3: Hey, Rose, how are you? Merry Christmas. It's nice to say Merry Christmas again, isn't it? Feels very. I can't joyous, hear Dominic, festive. and I'm
6: so sorry. I don't know what we might have done to... All right, thanks. Uh, I'm sorry, Dominic. We'll get to you. We have to figure out why what we did over here that may have changed that. I don't know what we did though. All I did was unplug a few things, so we'll figure it out. So yeah, so Jeff Flake. So when you talk about the 2018 election, and that's one of the things that Dominic wanted to turn about, talk about, it's just you know I'm not going to listen to any of the predictions from the left, from those in the in our party supposedly uh, who don't support this president, who still don't understand how this president won. I believe that we will still have a successful midterm election. I really do. And I'll tell you something else. With with everything that he has accomplished, and it's too bad the media doesn't talk about it, because much has been done in less than a year already. So much has been done. And, and you're not going to hear from it, uh, hear about it from the media, not from people like Flake. But there has been, there has been great accomplishments by this administration. And quite frankly, when, when the benefits of this tax reform kicks in and already so many people have begun to see the benefits of it. Corporations, we have Boeing and AT&T and Comcast and Wells Fargo and so many other companies that are passing on the blessings to their employees and they're reinvesting in this country. So I got to tell you something. You know what? Go ahead and predict that the 2018 midterms are going to be down the drain for Republicans. You can go ahead and do that. But I'll tell you something. The American people will see some changes. And if only the media were honest about some of the other ones that you will never hear about, probably, if you're not listening to The Sean Hannity Show or others like it. You'll never know. But I'll tell you something. This guy, and and so far, the those who have been supporting him, I think they've made great strides, and I think will be just fine in the two thousand and eighteen midterm. Let's try Dominic again from Chicago, Dominic. Hey,
3: Rose, happy. Hey. you. I appreciate it. Hey, how Absolutely. are you? Merry Christmas! Thanks for having Merry me Christmas. on. I think, yeah, I think the. Uh, you, you, I think you nailed it. I mean, end of the year Christmas gift to the country with a great tax cut, Jobs Act, country, companies giving bonuses and reinvesting in our comp- in our country. And that is a great message to everybody who voted for Trump who believed in Trump. I can't wait for 2018 when I vote for him again. He is the best salesman we've ever had since Reagan. He should be out there all, next, all of twenty eight talking about jobs, 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 lower taxes, more money in your pocket, more opportunity. Stock market growth—that's a winning message. And for any Democrat who doesn't believe that, um, your time has passed. And I think Senator Flake is just uh, reaping uh, the sour's of his own bad predictions. And if yeah, he runs, I point. think he'll be like 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 like, uh, like uh, uh, Warren Mondale. He might get D.C. or Arizona and lose in a landslide. So if if that's if he wants to run, by oh, all means, go for go it. for, for it. Like That's like right. He'll be, he'll be the next Mondale. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy. I can't. I'm elated. I think the one thing I'd love to see the president do in 2018 even more is re emphasize the judiciary and the judges and the courts. He has put up great judges, great district courts, you know, 12, a record for any president in, in any time in modern history, which is fantastic. So good for the Senate. Keep pushing that forward because that will be the ultimate legacy. And if anybody doesn't believe that's true, Think about that. You know, all the district courts, the appellate courts get all the cases before SCOTUS. So he is changing the course. He is transformational. I'm very happy. And. You do a great job, Hanny. so awesome. Thanks, Dominic. Appreciate you being there. Thanks.
6: Good, good to hear from you. Thank you so much for your call. You know, I can't help but think every time I see Flake, it's like he's so proud of himself that he's on television again, and aren't I so cute? And, oh, I don't know. The guy bothers me. He really does. And I resent the fact that we had a GOP nominee, and he didn't support him. I'll tell you what. Everyone that did not come out after we had a nominee and support that nominee is just, I mean, they're... You know where they are as far as I'm concerned. Lou calling from Harrisburg, Virginia. Hello, Lou. How are you? Hi, Rose. How you doing? Good. How are you? I haven't heard from you in such a long time. <laughs> this is a relative of mine on the phone. So I've got family everywhere, okay? We're Italian. Yeah. They're everywhere.
2: <laughs> We're everywhere.
6: <laughs> nice to hear from you. So, I mean, are you concerned at all about the 2018 midterms?
9: No. Uh, Virginia is kind of a weird state, so... Yeah. Uh, we live in the in the away from the swamp. We live in the mountains, so there's no water up here. But no <laughs> bad water. But, um, uh, we got to kind of live it kind of like uh, like Chris in California. It's just got to live with you know what you're dealing with. But I will tell you this: we're going to save enough money. Right, we have a small business. We import wine, and we're going to save enough money on the taxes that we're now going to offer uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield to our four employees plus our family members. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, we're going to actually save about. Uh, uh, we're projecting about eight thousand dollars for the year, and we're going to use that money to pay for, uh, put that towards the premiums of the uh, of the insurance for our three employees. So we have a total of six people working, three family members, and three three employees. And uh, yeah, it's two thousand eighteen is looking pretty good.
6: Lou, that's a great story, and thanks for sharing that with us, and I'm so glad to hear your voice. I really am, sweetie. God bless you, You know, and Happy New Year to you, but see, now that's that's a great story, and there are so many stories like it. Um, Someone had tweeted me earlier today and said that their company is giving out a $4,800 bonus. Um, Some people are expecting raises next year. Small business, and I come from a small business family. My mom had a dress shop. My dad uh, had a design business, and I understand what it's like. I really do. And I'll tell you something. I have such a heart for the small businessman and woman. I I certainly do. But it's a struggle sometimes. And when I see that there are things that will help the small businessman and woman to not only make it through the year, but to grow and to prosper, because really, that's why they got into the business, right? Certainly, it's something they were passionate about. But the fact that they could grow that business, and as Lou said, he's able to offer his employees benefits now. I mean, this is I'm telling you, people are going to... I want to know what the Democrats are going to do. What the hell are they going to say and do come, I don't know, a couple months from now, into the future? What are they going to say? How are they going to spin this? Because people, you can't deny what people are experiencing. You just really can't. We're going to take a break. My name is Rose Tennant, sitting in for the awesome Sean Hannity. Call me, 800-941-SEAN or check me out on social media, Rose Unplugged on Facebook and Periscope and Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. We'll be right back. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Sitting in for him today. Love his audience. Love Linda. And I absolutely adore Jason. He's awesome. I was saying Jason is like having five engineers all in one. He's so amazing. Anyway, call me 800-941-SEAN. Also, we have great guests coming up today. We've got Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. We're going to talk about North Korea. We've got DC McAllister and Danielle McLaughlin. We're going to talk about sexual harassment. Is there too broad, broad a definition for it? We'll talk and my friend Greg Jarrett I love him I really do he's going to join us to talk about the Mueller investigation I'll I'll tell you something when I don't believe any polls I don't believe any predictions I certainly am not going to listen to Billy Crystal there's no one out there that can tell me what I believe in my heart and and I'll tell you something too and this is always astounding to me since since the campaign for presidency when Donald Trump announced he was going to run, I began to get Democrats listening to my show. It was weird. I never in 20 years, I'd never had the number of Democrats listening to my program. And then I would as recent as a month ago, I was in a, a really cool area in, in downtown Pittsburgh and I I will have people come up to me and and say Rose I, I listen to your show I'm a Democrat lifelong Democrat I'm not the only one we like your show we like this president I mean this is a phenomenon to me I mean this is really there's something that the left doesn't understand that the media doesn't understand and they and if because they don't understand it they could never effectively predict anything quite frankly in my estimation so who cares what they say I don't let's allow Trump to be Trump that that's something big on my page if he wants to tweet let him tweet he tweeted one hundred 160 times the phrase fake news this past year but he's right and we're going to talk about some examples of fake news coming up stay with us don't go too far away you're listening to the sean hannity show my name is rose Welcome back to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for him today, and it's a pleasure to be here and an honor. Love hearing from you right now that we're going to have a guest on. I want to remind you that I also like hearing from you on social media. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. My Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Periscope is Rose Unplugged. Joining us right now is the guy who carried the nuclear football under President Clinton, and he's the author of Dereliction of Duty, an eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised America. America's National Security. Please welcome to the show Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. Welcome to the show.
11: Oh, hey. Hi Rose. how are you?
6: Good, how are you?
11: fantastic couldn't be better
6: i am so glad that you're on today because you know we're hearing a lot in fact one of the recent headlines was that north korea was likely to pursue talks with us now that's according to south korea they're looking at a rosy new year what do you say to that buzz do you believe that's possible i don't know I, I don't
11: know <laughs> if i trust that i no. was i was kind of heartened heart and grows when i heard that uh, russia has also come out so they will not allow a nuclear, nuclear powered uh nuclear weaponized north korea so that's That's a check mark in the right block. But I wouldn't, uh, until uh, I think you get Russia and China involved, I don't think there's much hope for any kind of domestic or any kind of. uh uh, diplomacy with those people. I just don't think they're, they're rational actors in, in that regard.
6: No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised, though, that the South believes that. I mean, if if anyone understands North Korea, I would I would assume it's the South, although I have to say I'm not sure about their new leadership, and I'm not quite sure he fully grasps uh, what's going on in North Korea. Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I think that— but-
11: Yeah, I think it may be more wishful thinking and wishful hoping than anything else. I mean, they really obviously don't – they don't want us to attack. They don't want the North Koreans to come across the DMZ either. So I think they're probably hoping that's the case. But uh, in my time, you know, 20 years in the Air Force and, and writing books, I just don't see that being a viable option at this point. Not unless we get China and Russia to really put the clamps on them and uh, go after their, their banks, their exports, their imports, that kind of thing.
6: Well, and it looks like we are putting clamps on it. Of course, on Friday, um, we it, it, the, there was a uh, United Nations sanctions, a new sanctions that were announced on Friday. That was in response to North Korea's November 29th test of the ICBM. And, uh, and then, since then, uh, Mnuchin has released a statement that said Treasury is targeting leaders of North Korea's ballistic missile programs as part of our maximum pressure campaign to isolate North Korea and achieve a fully denuclearized Korean peninsula. So, I mean, I mean, we are taking steps. Russia and China both said they supported the sanctions that limit North Korea's access to refined petroleum products and crude oil. But at the same time, did I just read that there were spy satellites that saw Chinese ships illegally selling oil? I mean, I don't know. I don't, what's going on? Buzz, yeah, happening? the
11: Chinese a couple of, a couple of months ago, the Chinese said they would they would stop all all oil imports into uh, into North Korea. We've caught them cheating about thirty times so far in the right. last couple of months alone. So they're not sticking up the end of the bargain. And Here's my real my real fear, Rose, is that you know we've been playing this diplomatic game with North Korea since 1994, and Bill Clinton, my former boss, was in office. And Having been carried the nuclear football, I'm well aware of what this technology is all about, and I think we're really pushing it now to the 11th hour. I don't see we have much more time to allow him to continue to develop his program. And I just discovered a couple of days ago that the latest defector came across the border from North Korea, not only with signs of nuclear radiation, uh, but also with signs of anthrax. So that's a lot easier to build and to, and to deploy than nuclear weapons are. So I think we are we're, we're get to the point of no return, and we're at the point where there are no good options available to us.
6: Now, is that, I mean, I want to hear about these options, but at, at the same time, what options are actually left on the table for us? But I, when I read, I had read that there was a defected soldier that they found to be vaccinated against anthrax, right?
11: That's correct, yeah. And he had, he had uh, antibodies from anthrax vaccinations. So that means that what they're doing is they're, if he's a low, low-ranking line guy on the DMZ, if he's getting, if they're getting vaccinations, then I think probably the entire country has gotten them for a reason, right. uh, Because they plan on deploying chemical and biological weapons.
6: God, okay. So, what options do you see that we have left? And and uh, I believe this administration is up for the task, don't you?
11: I do believe they are up for the task. I really like Trump's rhetoric over the last few months about this. Again, you know, we've ticked the can. Uh, down the road for 23 years. And we've allowed him to get to this point where he is on the verge of being able to launch to hit uh, American shores with uh, with nuclear weapons. And I think our, our our options these days are getting to the point where there are no good ones, Rose. Right. It's only bad or less bad. I think we need to go after the banks, uh, the banking system first, cut off all supplies and all, all revenues going into that country. And then um, I'm hoping that we see very soon, maybe his next test launch, that we actually knock it out of the sky just to embarrass him. Um, and then maybe he'll That'd be, be great back, uh, going forward. Yeah, I think it would be great, too. That, that would be the least militarized uh, response we have on the table. We could do it, and we could do it fairly easily. Uh, and after that, it gets to you know more more advanced to the, on the war on the fighting spectrum where you start talking about um, actually, going in and preempting strikes, uh, going after their facilities, their, their missile launching locations, you know, their grid, the, their power structure, which is very minimal as it is anyway. It's only basically Pyongyang has power, right? So, um, and then it, then it goes. Then you're talking about guys coming across the border in full-blown uh, combat, and I think that's uh, obviously we want to avoid that, right? But we also want to avoid on a, on a bigger scale. We want to avoid him ever getting a nuclear weapon he can deploy.
6: My God, when you think about Kim Jong-un, and I don't like to think about him, but we're forced to right now, is there any other leader in, in history that we can point to and say, is as crazy as this man? I know we've had some evil, there have been evil people out there, and they've done horrible things, but I don't know that any of them top this guy. I, I just, he he is in a class all of his, on his own, I think, at times.
11: You know, I do. I agree with that. And I think he's really, you know, we knew what we had basically in Saddam Hussein. We knew what we had in Muammar Gaddafi. We knew what we had, you know, with uh, with some of the dictators of the past, uh, you, know, you know, back in the uh, Soviet Union days, Stalin and Lenin. So we knew those people were, were, were fairly rational actors. This kid's, this kid's a total wild card. Yes. We don't know that much about him, obviously. There's not any press coming out of that country. He's young. Uh, we don't know um, if there are people around him who are going to support him or not. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things we don't know, and we have a very you know uh, difficult t- time trying to acquire that kind of intelligence. So I think the best bet for us is to go into all this, saying the guy is illogical, right. he's irrational, he'll do something stupid, and then hope for the better.
6: You're right, because with some leaders, you the the suggestion that a show of force from the United States is enough to put them in their place. This guy seems to be more provoked by that, but he's provoked by everything, quite frankly. He
11: is. He is. Again, you know, we, uh, during the Cold War back in the, in the Soviet Union uh, years where we had the mutually assured disruption Philosophy, you know, they had weapons, we had weapons. We knew that if they used them, we we'd be using them, and they did the exact same thing. We don't know that about this guy. We don't know what he'll do, uh, even at the slightest provocation. Say we do shoot a missile of this guy, he may that they may be the point where he tips, and and goes, you know, comes across the DMZ. So we we this is really a very dicey game that we're playing. I'm so thankful we have President Trump in the seat handling this, because I think if we would had Obama or Hillary, we'd oh be kicking the kid down the road even further.
6: Well, I shudder to think. Honestly, Buzz, when I think that it could have been Hillary Clinton, I, I, I just would not trust the situation to her. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, at times I'm so very angry with the previous administration, but the situation we currently find ourselves in with North Korea goes beyond the Obama administration. It goes even further back. I mean, they're, they're all, many of them have been complicit over the years Uh, and we can point to many uh, things that they've done or have not done and say this is why we're here where we are today with north korea
11: exactly it started in 1994 uh right before i got to the white house rose when uh President Clinton agreed to the framed agreement where we gave yes. them a whole bunch of money and a couple of the nuclear reactors, and then uh, they kind of they kept quiet for a while. And then George W. Bush came into office and didn't really pay very much attention to them. And during that time, if you go back and look at their missile their missile tests and their, de- their detonations, it starts to ramp up right toward the end of Bush Jr. and it really ramped up under Obama. So by the time Obama left office, we were we were where we are today, uh, and it's still still trending up. So. If you go back and look at the charts, the graphs, um, it, it got out of control, basically started getting out of control under Bush, and then it really took off under Obama. So it's the time now we put a cap on
6: it. So, Buzz, you've authored the book, Dereliction of Duty, and, and, it, and you call it an eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised American national security. How difficult was it for you then? Obviously, you, you recognized uh, what was going on. You knew what was going on. You must have been – I mean, how, what was that like to be there then when you're seeing how, how, our, how we're being compromised here where national security is concerned?
11: Well, for a military guy, for a military officer, it was very difficult, as you can imagine, bet. watching this day by day drip, drip, drip of uh, of Clinton not having his eye on the ball in terms of national security. You know, a lot during these same years, you know, he was allowing uh, Osama bin Laden to traips around the world blowing up embassies and and didn't really think about that either. So, uh, for a military guy, you know, we understand uh, command, we understand leadership, and we, we want to you know, take the fight on uh, head head on, like uh, you know, but. Um, in terms of being there in the White House day after day after day and was watching this, uh, him con- continually refuse to take action to, to call uh, the enemy what it was and to, and to respond accordingly was frustrating and, and, uh, and disheartening, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. I just needed to get the story out there that we got a commander-in-chief who failed to be a commander.
6: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and we've had just a little too much of that, Buzz. We really have. You know, there was a photograph, something you had said just a few moments ago about some of the people that surround Kim Jong Un. And, and there was a photograph that was, uh, printed that w- uh, I showed a picture of his sister and they were suggesting that she was at the heart of the North Korea inner circle. And, and that, that's, I- interesting enough on on the surface but when you consider what you had just said about the people that he surrounds himself with those that are that he's influencing or that are influencing him and you've got family members who certainly when they've seen what's happened to other family members um if they went against this ruler certainly there there's yes men or in this case yes women uh,
11: there's no doubt about it you know his uh, his family's dynasty goes way back you know the, the, the his grandfather and father were brutal dictators as well so i'm sure he has people surrounding him that were very loyal to his father um in their in their families as well uh he's probably getting some great advice from them from their perspective about what to do and what not to do because they were trained under his dad right so uh we we don't know the quality of people around him i will tell you that um, if you do a little looking into some of those uh uh footage video files that we've been showing on the news the last couple of years if you look into the audience the uh, grandstand when they're when they're doing these test launches there's always an Iranian officer in the crowd so you know that they're working very closely with Iran and if we allowed North Korea to be armed it's just a matter of time a few months I would say until the Iranians have the exact same capabilities.
1: Wow.
6: We have about a minute or two in this segment. Could you give me a few of your predictions? What do you think and how soon do you think this administration is going to take some action?
11: I think uh, we're going to let the allies, hopefully allies in China and Russia, uh, come forward and be a little more aggressive in this. And if they don't, we'll have to do something uh, militarily or in terms of us... um, Trying to take out their their power grid in some capacity, or try to take out some of their sites, launch sites. Um I think it's going to have to start with that. If, yeah. the, if the if the United Nations and the world order just get on board with this and start helping out here, we'll have to be um, you know in charge of doing it by ourselves. And I know how nervous South Korea and Japan are that they're right there within striking distance, also. Right. And they don't have the ability really to fight
6: back. Right. And and and, and how confident are you in in uh, Trump's inner circle? Those who are advising him.
11: Very, very. I'm so glad we have General Mattis as Secretary of
1: Defense,
11: HR McMaster. I think Trump did a great job surrounding himself with some really key senior personnel, senior leadership around him. I have no doubt that he's getting great advice militarily from those guys. Um, So, uh, that, that helps a little sound more soundly at night, but he has those guys
6: around him. Oh, that's good to know, and it's good to hear that from you in particular. I, I want to thank you so much. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. He carried that nuclear football under President Clinton, and he's the author of Dereliction of Duty, an eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised America's national security. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I really appreciate it.
11: Thank you, Rose. Anytime, and uh, God bless, and happy
6: New Year. Oh, the same to you. The same to you. All right, this is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Sitting in for him today. Check me out on social media, Rose Unplugged on Facebook, at Rose underscore Unplugged on Twitter, and also on Periscope, Rose Unplugged. We'll, be lots, we'll do lots more when we come back. Take your phone calls, 800 sean Oh, it's the Sean Hannity Show, and I'm Rose sitting in for Sean, and it's such an honor. It really is. Thank you so much, guys. Eight hundred nine four one. sean is the phone number. We've got great guests coming up. Greg Jarrett is joining us after the half hour. I'll take a quick call. Don from Greensville, South Carolina. How are you, Don?
9: I'm great, Rose. How are you?
6: Doing fabulous. Did you have a great holiday?
9: I had a great holiday. I hope you did, and everybody. I, I just was calling in, Rose. I, I'd seldomly call in, but... I just want to call in, I told the uh, uh, the screener, I was just calling to say that Rose is terrific and if she was on every day, I'd listen to her every day.
6: Oh, well, you are so sweet. Well, follow me on social media and you'll find out how you can listen well, to I, the sorry, other show I'm, that I'm, I, I actually to. I'm,
9: I'm, I'm 72 and I'm a veteran of and I don't use social media. I don't know how to use that computer. stuff. Oh,
6: well, first of all, thank you for your service, Don. Thank you so much. And um, and God bless you and have a happy new year, honestly. Same I hope you, you have been very blessed.
9: I learned more about uh, North Korea and about uh, Donald Trump compared to Winston Churchill. And I, I was just in and out of the truck doing some shopping. Thank you, Rose.
6: All right, sweetie. Thank you for your phone call. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, lots to talk about uh, coming up. First of all, we'll have Greg Jarrett on. I, I really want to get a feel from him where we're going with this Mueller investigation and should there be other investigations. We'll talk about that and lots more. Check me out on social media, Rose Unplugged on Facebook. Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. We'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity show Well, right after this. Finally, some disco music. Listen, in the day, the disco day, I was known as a disco queen. I just want you to know that, okay? Or princess. I was a princess. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for Sean Hannity today. Joining me is the legal analyst and contributor for Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network. He's also a former defense attorney, the guy I really like. But Linda says she just loves him and wishes he were a relative. Well, I wish she was a relative, too. Welcome to the show, Greg Jarrett. Hey, Greg, how are you?
8: Hey, Rose, I had no idea you were a disco queen.
6: Oh, yeah, I never told you? Oh, I certainly was, I'll have you know. How about you, oh, Greg? Did you? I'm not a queen,
8: but... I mean, my disco days are so far behind me, I can't even remember.
6: (laughs) Greg, it's so good to have you on the show. I found out Linda is just as crazy about you as I am, so how about that? (laughs)
8: That's very, very nice. You guys are kind.
6: We really do like you, Greg. Thanks for being with us. we got a lot to talk about. Um, I have to tell you, I talked to um, Louie Gomer, Congressman Louis Gohmert, this morning, and he was just, he's livid. I mean, this guy, he wants an investigation into Mueller, and he wants one into Loretta Lynch, and into Rosenstein. What do you think? I mean, we know that um, Jeff Sessions has directed uh, federal prosecutors to evaluate certain issues requested by congressional Republicans. So i what do you think is going to happen? let's get some predictions for the new year
8: well I agree entirely with Louis Gohmert and others who have called for a second special counsel which I did actually in columns I wrote months ago yes you did um, yes you did it is it's clear to me that Muller should have recused himself uh, on two bases under the statute he didn't do it Rosenstein has a horrible conflict of interest overseeing Mueller and in the investigation He refuses to recuse himself. And, Rose, that tells you something uh, about these people and their motivations. And then you add on top of that, you know, the the team of partisans that Mueller selected. uh, You know, they're very much like Andrew Weissman and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, all of whom have anti-Trump sentiment that they've expressed. I mean, this – how would you – how would you like to be investigated by a prosecutor or an FBI agent who has written things uh, that he hates you? I mean, how fair, really? is it to, you know, how fair is it to you to be investigated by somebody like that? You know, law enforcement is expected, especially prosecutors, federal prosecutors, to be fair and impartial and neutral. And yes. these people are anything but... And I think there is growing circumstantial, strong circumstantial evidence that they fixed it so that Hillary Clinton would be absolved and their backup plan was to frame Donald Trump with a completely fictitious, spurious investigation into collusion.
6: No, you're absolutely right. And when you mentioned Mueller and Rosenstein, and perhaps they should have recused themselves, it does go to character. I mean, I, you, you asked the same question I was about to ask you. What kind of person, I mean, honestly, when you're in an investigation like this, one that's so important, what kind of person doesn't recuse themselves? I mean, we had, our attorney general, Jeff Sessions, recused himself and didn't really even have to. You're absolutely
8: right. I mean, think about this. Mueller is, is sitting in the Oval Office interviewing... Uh, with the President of the United States to replace James Comey who had been fired. The next day, Mueller takes the job as special counsel investigating the president. Mueller uttered not a word to Donald Trump. I mean that's deceitful and dishonest, was Mueller trying to gather evidence in that interview against Trump. Uh you know, on that basis alone he should never have taken the job. And you factor in his longtime close personal relationship and professional relationship with James Comey. And it's it's all ugly and unconscionable. And how can Americans have any trust and confidence in the outcome when these people are so conflicted?
6: You know, and and, and I'll tell you something else. So we're talking about, we go back to July, and for three months, there were requests from the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, Bob Goodlatte, and then there were other committee members as well who had been calling for an appointment. So this has been going, I mean, this isn't just something that, oh, God, we're talking about right now. There were some great concerns going all the way back to the end of the summer, and and they wanted a special counsel to investigate the matters that they find questionable. Uh, It's about time. It's about yes, they time. Sent,
8: they sent a long letter to Jeff Sessions. Remember that. Uh, demand, this is the Judiciary Committee, good laps the uh, you know, the chairman. And it was signed by every uh, uh, majority member of that committee. And they posed a variety of questions, 10 or 15 of them, saying, you know, these questions need to be answered. And they all raise the possibility of, of obstruction of justice by the FBI, maybe the Department of Justice, uh, into the Hillary Clinton email case. And uh, it's fishy. It doesn't smell right. And look, it, it never made any sense how she beat the rap. Hmm. Um, you know, ask any, any lawyer, you got 110 classified emails, sent or received as classified on your unauthorized server in the basement of your home I mean, that's a per se violation of the Espionage Act and, and another relevant statute as well. And, you know, people get prosecuted and, you know, convicted. Uh, David Petraeus is is similar. He took home documents that were classified, right. Right. kept them in the drawer of his office at home, gave some to his mistress. That's the same thing that Hillary Clinton did. She authorized yeah that all of her emails, including classified documents, would be sent to her home. Can't do it.
6: You know what, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things that, um, when we talk about McCabe, he's going to be retiring. He, uh, I think it was, um, actually it was uh, Congressman Gohmert that said that he was grilled by the House Judiciary Committee for over seven hours, it was a little over a week ago, Um, and he, uh, listen, he really, they didn't like how he was answering the questions, and Gohmert said, I really can't go into detail because I'm not supposed to, it's not supposed to be made public, but he was very uncomfortable with that situation. And uh, and it's been said that uh, McCabe remembers some things very differently from some of the other people that had made public statements. So so McCabe's on his way out. Um, Mueller, there's still talk about, you know, the White House has to consistently come out and say, we've never said that we're going to fire Mueller. And while that may be true. There has to be – something has to be done about these other concerns that that we've had for a very long time now, and that you've been calling for – you've been calling for a special counsel, as you've said, for a very long time as well.
8: Yeah, exactly. A second special counsel needs to examine McCabe, Baker, both of which have been sidelined or demoted, uh, Bruce Ohr, James Comey, who I I think violated the law uh, on several occasions. And, and reopen the Hillary Clinton email uh, investigation, uh, renew the investigation with clean and clear eyes and objective eyes, and decide whether or not this should be referred to a grand jury. Uh, because, you know, there is so much evidence that people, uh, for political motivations, helped her in order to clear a path for her to become president. Yeah. And nobody's above the law. You know, we don't have kings and tyrants in America. Um, and so it doesn't matter whether, you know, you're a nominee for president of the United States. You still can't get away with breaking the law in America.
6: Greg. Greg the there are so many at least you know the ones that are paying attention to all of this I know my listeners no doubt Sean's I mean they are very frustrated we they need to see something be done they there, something must be done really to because we just we feel that justice isn't being served right now we feel that um, when you look at the evidence and and the craziness around the the dossier even poor Trump when he weighed in what was it uh, earlier in the week or last week I, I've lost track wherever the holidays season here. But he said the FBI cannot, after all this time, verify claims in dossier of Russia-Trump collusion. FBI tainted. I mean, this guy's frustrated. We are frustrated. We need to know that something is going to be done. We really do.
8: This phony dossier, which was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee and put together by a foreign national, uh, constitutes a crime. You, You know, you can't do that in a political campaign. The law forbids it, the exchange of money for something like that. Um, That is an act of collusion, if ever there was one. Uh, And it was used, this dossier, as the basis for two things. One, to launch the Trump-Russia investigation in July of 2016. And number two, to spy on Trump associates, because armed with this dossier, they uh, presented an affidavit to a FISA judge, uh, asking for a warrant to wiretap Trump associates, including Carter Page and maybe Paul Manafort. That may have been a separate warrant. We just don't know yet. But think about it. So Hillary Clinton supplies uh, the money for the dossier so that the FBI can spy on her opponent in a presidential campaign, um, using a fake document to obtain a warrant as a fraud on the court and a crime. And the people who submitted it, and we don't know yet whose name was on the application for the warrant, but um, they're in trouble. And if I were the federal judge who signed off on that warrant, I'd haul these knuckleheads into my courtroom and say, what were you doing? Did you authenticate and confirm the contents of this dossier that formed the basis for the wiretap? Uh, and bring your toothbrush, because you may be held in contempt of court.
6: <laughs> Boy, I wish it were you that make, could make that decision. Listen, what what is your prediction for 2018? What do you think uh, is one of the first things, one of the first courses of action that may be taken where all of this is concerned as soon as everybody is back to work?
8: Well, I would look for two things. First, um, the House Intelligence Committee is preparing a report. And I think uh, the contents of that report will be damning Mm. toward Comey and Mueller uh, and people like McCabe, James Baker, certainly Peter Strzok. The second thing I think you can look for is uh, the Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz, who has spent many months investigating the Hillary Clinton uh, email decision by Comey and others. Uh, who changed the wording? Was it Strzok and McCabe and, and Baker who convinced Comey to change the wording to exonerate Hillary Clinton? If so, why? Right. And, uh, and, of course, it was Horowitz who discovered all of these incriminating text messages exchanged between Peter Strzok, the FBI counterterrorism official, uh, and Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer, both of whom, were involved in the Hillary Clinton email case in clearing her, and were involved in the FBI-Trump-Russia investigation, and then jumped to the Mueller probe. Uh, you know, are, are Lisa Page and Peter Strzok the only FBI agents in the Bureau?
6: Right, uh, exactly.
8: You know, they were involved in three cases. Unbelievable. All of which are important and pivotal.
6: You know, Greg, this reminds me of the Clinton years, uh, the Clinton administration. There were so much, there was so much to keep up with. It was so difficult to explain every little detail that I felt like they got away with so much because it was so difficult to expose it all. It was just so ha- it was happening so quickly. I've got to give these guys on the committees, um, people like um, Louis Gohmert and others. I have to give them a lot of credit because they spend a lot of time. There's a lot to go through. There's a lot to understand. and and, and, and kudos to them. Because they're not giving up. The, no, they
10: aren't.
8: And, the Matt and Gates
6: and the others like him, they're fabulous, honestly.
8: Yeah. and I'll be interviewing Congressman Gates uh, tonight on Lou Dobbs on the Fox Business Network uh, seven o'clock Eastern. Uh, I'll be anchoring for Lous on vacation and, and Representative Gates is, is my guest so who'll be digging into a lot of this. They deserve a great deal of credit as does uh, the staff. Uh, At the Intel Committee on the House side, the Judiciary Committee, and some of the people on the Senate side as well, they all deserve credit for for not letting this go and papering it over as Democrats and the media want them to
6: you know what we'll be looking for you tonight at seven o'clock then on Fox Business Network you you do a great job Greg and we really count on you to bring us the latest and I appreciate all your efforts and I really hope you have a great new year I do sincerely you too rose the disco queen (laughs) that's right babe it's me the disco queen (laughs) love you Greg take care thanks for joining us today we appreciate it we'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity show right after this you're listening to the Sean Hannity show my name is Rose Tennant I do a show called Rose unplugged out of Pittsburgh and you can check me out on social media on Facebook it's Rose unplugged and on Twitter it's at Rose underscore unplugged all right so coming up next after the top of the hour we've got DC McAllister and Danielle McLaughlin I like these ladies and we're gonna have a very candid and open and honest discussion about sexual harassment and about some of the stories that have been made the headlines of late and also- Also, I want to tell you what, that you can call in because the next hour after that, we will take your phone calls at 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-SEAN. Again, my my name is Rose, and it's always an honor and a pleasure to serve Sean Hannity when he's not here to, to do his show and to talk with his audience. You guys are awesome. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I hope to talk a lot more in the next hour. So don't go too far away. Stay with us. We've got a great hour planned. Well, welcome back to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for him today. Check me out on social media. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. On Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. Periscope, Rose Unplugged. You know, Linda had the idea of putting these two ladies together on the show today, and I was thrilled. I there, There's so much to talk about. I hope we can get to as much as possible. Joining me is senior contributor at The Federalist, as well as a contributor at PJ Media, D- D.C. McAllister, and also an attorney and constitutional expert who co-wrote the book, The Federalist Society, How Conservatives Took the Law Back from Liberals. And that is Danielle McLaughlin. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, how you doing? Hi, first of all, you girls are gorgeous, and you're so very smart, and I and I just love you both, I really do. Oh, I and and I, I like the idea. I end up with this together, and I think it's time that we had a very open and honest conversation about some of the things that are going on today. I I, I had just read a piece recently in the New York Daily News. Christina Hoff Summers wrote regarding the hashtag Me Too uh, um, movement, and she said that it's a panic, and and she doesn't think that that's the answer. She said we're at imminent risk of turning this hashtag me Too moment into a frenzied rush to blame all men and i gotta say ladies i kind of agree i've been feeling that our definition of harassment sexual harassment has been so broad and that we need to really think about how we define it would you agree let's start with you dc
12: Oh, I I agree completely. And I've been concerned about this movement from kind of the beginning, uh, when it first started broadening and including definitions of harassment that weren't actually legal definitions. And I I see this movement, it's not in isolation, of course. It came after the Women's March, after this election. It's kind of caught up in the wave of the anger and the backlash to the Trump election. So it's not in isolation. It's been politicized. It is part of that. And we can't look at this without seeing in that broader picture. So it's not just if people want to respond and say, oh, this is just about women concerned about sexual harassment, which is a very legitimate concern. I think all three of us will agree that we don't want women harassed. We are against the kind of abuse of women. And we need to say that up front. You know, I support women who have been in these kind of positions. I know what it's like. And you feel powerless. And women should not feel that way ever. Um, but this, is, this movement is a different story. Getting away from the individual women, pulling back and looking at the big picture is part of something that's driving our society to division. And it's being fueled by anger and fear and distrust. And, and I have the same concerns as Christina about this.
6: Yeah, I think there needs to be a distinction that's made between harassment cases, and she talked about about this, too. You know, there are some cases, Danielle, for example, the Weinstein case. You know, here you have a guy who's high profile, not accountable to anyone, and that is really a very difficult situation to be in if you're a woman and you are being abused by a man like Weinstein. Then you take a look at some corporations, The company I work, for example, there are levels of accountability, and there are are uh, there's steps that I can take if I ever felt that um, I was being harassed in some way. Danielle would you agree with that that distinctions need to be made and perhaps we have to redefine it?
5: I couldn't agree more actually with both of you. I think that we have to have a really thoughtful conversation about what's happening within the Me Too movement and that there is a spectrum of behavior to DC's point not all of which is criminal or even actionable. My concern is that well, first things first, I'm, I'm really happy that, the, that people are talking about this because this is something that isn't spoken about, it hasn't been spoken about en masse really, certainly in my, in my living memory. I want to say something like 6% of sexual assaults are reported, and it's partly because there's a huge sense of shame associated with the victims of, of crimes of a sexual nature. But I will say that we have to be thoughtful that not all behavior should be treated equally and that we have to have processes in place because I worry about a rush to judgment and I worry actually about a backlash whereby women who are stepping forward are somehow one way or another, eventually there's a backlash where women have problems getting hired, where women are not brought into meetings where there is concerns that there will be allegations. So in this sort of soundbite media environment that we live in and a social uh, media environment where everything is is sort of is punchy and short this is a place where we need to have thoughtful discussion about how we move this
6: forward and how we empower women you know and you're right and, and dc i'm thinking you know if we if me too if hashtag me too becomes a panic and in many ways it has as daniel's just mentioned in many ways it has become a panic what happens then is that we do lose sight of those women who have had a sincerely and and frightening experience in the workplace and 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 i just feel like we lose sight of that if we're if we're so worried about every little thing if a guy flirting with us now becomes harassment uh, then what about the woman who has suffered real harassment what about her
12: well when we make everyone a victim we lose the real victim You're right. Good point. This is is something that we have to be on on guard against, and it's something that we're seeing happening. I mean, I already hear people not wanting to believe anything that comes forward, and we saw this with the Roy Moore thing. Um, I I will be up front. I didn't find the sexual assault... Harassment charges, credible. But my first response was, "This is so politicized. I don't trust it, and mm. um, I need more information and more time to be able to process this." Exactly. And I felt like it was being rammed down my throat to believe, and the, and I did think to myself, I was like, you know, the sad thing here, talking kind of to myself, is that, you know, I do want more time. I, I want more time to process. I don't like accusation to be indictment and immediately punishing men without a lot of information brought forward, even. In in the court of public opinion, I think we need to be judicious and cautious and take our time with it. But then I thought to myself, you know, the sad thing is, is if this really did happen, or if these are cases that this is actually true, I feel for the women because they're I caught do too. In, they're caught up in a wave of. Um, a credibility problem, and, you know, it's just doubt that that will drive it. And I do I am concerned not only about that, about the women, the victims being lost, but also just the environment of hostility and the division between the sexes that I see happening and how that creates a breakdown in society and the distrust that we have between people and the relationships that are being broken. I actually think that that long-term is the biggest problem that's going to come out of this, is a breakdown of relationships. And you cannot – if you don't have freedom in relationships and you don't have a commonality of trust, you cannot have a democracy.
6: You can't. You know- DC and Danielle earlier this month DC you wrote uh, can we be honest about women and god you were so honest and it's guys I was afraid for you for being that honest but you said here's a little secret that we have to say out loud women love the sexual interplay they experience with men and they relish men desiring their beauty and Danielle this reminds me of the recent outrage um, that Teen Vogue expressed because of a sexist what they called sexist Jimmy Choo shoe ad now that ad started this beautiful Beautiful, Kara, I can't remember her last name, she's just stunning, honest to God, and she's got these beautiful Jimmy Choo shoes on and who doesn't love Jimmy Choo shoes? But the ad that was running on YouTube had men say, hey, nice shoes, nice shoes, and that... They considered catcalls sexist. Um, they they um, they were so angry and upset about it that Jimmy Choo eventually took that ad down from YouTube. But I thought, you know what? I have had even women say to me on the streets, hey, I love those shoes. I, I like it. I, You know, my God, if a man still tells me he likes my shoes, at least my shoes like my shoes. It, we do like that little bit of interplay. I mean, most of us do, and we, we recognize it for what it is, Danielle. I do not take offense at, at any kind of comment that's not derogatory or makes me feel threatened, that comes from a man.
5: No, and and I don't either. I I think the key here is what may be underlying the concerns. I think that we have to live in a society where we can speak freely to one another, and we're not concerned that things will be taken out of context. I think that maybe the criticisms of ads that are considered to be sexist is that there is an underlying inequality, and we're still sort of fighting for that inequality. So whether against that inequality, so whether that's the number of women in Congress, the number of women in the Senate, the number of women who are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, I think it's. a bigger commentary about power structure potentially and it's i think if we're, we're if we're we're wasting our time talking about whether ads are offensive or not, when we should be thinking
6: about institutional changes that can empower women and, and give women a voice. Okay, Danielle, and you've got a point there. In DC, I would say this. You know, we have been taught, at least I have, you are empowered. You can get out there. You can do it. You can get it done. Whatever you set your mind to, you can do the fact that you're a woman should not hold you back. So if I'm going to be offended by a cat call or a flirtation in the office, then am I as empowered as I thought I was? I can have victory over that and I can move on. I, that does not have to keep me down.
12: Well, we have girl power. We have all this feminist and power movements. We've had it for years. We're kind of awash in it. Um, yeah, we really I are. Honestly, I don't where women are afraid to succeed. I guess I don't see it. Um, I, I, see, I don't either. I, I see women...
5: No, and, I, and I'm, arch- I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not saying that I believe women that are afraid to
6: succeed. No, I don't think you said um, that. No, no I, I, I didn't I just, hear that. I
5: that where, where there is a, a disparate treatment, where you're in an office scenario and you're not given a project because you're a female or you're called certain things or you're given certain tasks. that's That's something we need to address societally. And I do think we can get caught up with, you know, the Jimmy Choo
6: ad. When we should really be addressing things
5: that are a little bit more
6: serious. But but we're taught to get caught up with the Jimmy Choo ad. These young people are, are, are. This is what they're reading. They are taught to get caught up in a Jimmy Choo shoe ad. DC, why don't you go ahead and finish? Well, that's the point. Just- I
12: mean, I agree. I mean, we shouldn't be having um, women not getting jobs because they're women in the workplace. But we have laws already on the books for this, and they, they need to be reported. We have HR departments. We need to educate women on how to work through that in the in the workplace. Um, those. Um, processes, I think, are in place. They just need to be acted on and encouraged in those environments. But this is this whole Me Too movement, I see it as something completely different. And I see it, like I said, within the wave of anger toward a, a backlash to the, to the election, a fear of that's been drummed up that white men are now trying to get dominance again. I see it in that vein and not really an undercurrent of drawing for inequality by women. And I am very concerned about the anger and the backlash of the women on this and the division that it's going to cause in our country. Uh, It's just going to, and I think it's going to get worse in 2018. I predict it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. There's going to be more and more backlash and more and more anger um, about these things, and it's going to cause a lot of disruption.
6: How about you, Danielle? Do you have the same prediction?
5: You know, I have some hope for women in 2018. Just looking at the numbers of women who are running for office, they are ex- exploding, and I think that's a really fantastic thing. I mean, this year we had a woman, a uh, U.S. woman, won the, win the New York Marathon for the first time in 40 years. Um, the economy is doing well. That means women are doing well. Um, you know, I, I really I have hope. I think that this Me Too movement is not going away, and I do think it's going to continue to be controversial, but I'm glad we're having these conversations because it's really important. But I am hopeful for women in 2018. Uh, particularly uh, seeing them more active in politics. I think that would be a great thing.
6: I agree with you there too, uh, ladies. honestly that it was time to have a, an honest conversation, and I hope that we continue to do so. I think that we have to be careful of our broad definition of what harassment is, and I also think that we have to consider that there could be male victims in all of this as well, and when I say that i don 't mean necessarily a woman harassing a man. I mean that, as we discussed earlier in d c you mentioned that there are there is such a rush to judgment that my concern is that these these men perhaps have now become a victim as a result and and that concerns me greatly as well so ladies you were fabulous guests and i'm so glad to have you on thank you for your honesty and openness on the subject i appreciate that and i wish you both a very happy new year happy new year thanks thank you thank Thank you Thank you we'll be back with more of the sean hannity show right after this Welcome back to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant, sitting in for Sean today. Check me out on social media. On Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. Let's take Susan, who's calling from Hot Springs, Arkansas. How are you, Susan? I'm good, thanks.
13: I'm wanting to talk about these women and harassment. If you are offended or frightened or cringe because some man compliments you on your shoes... You have neither the capacity nor the intellect, as far as I'm concerned, to hold any kind of office of authority. I mean, how creepy is that? You've got to have your own personal strength. And back 20, 30 years ago, when a man would catcall or or do something that was a little bit off to you, you would simply say thank you and keep moving. And that was the indication of your strength, that you were focused on your job, you knew who you were, you knew what you were doing, and you were not caught up in the superfluousness and the idiocracy of everything that comes out of a man's mouth is somehow sexist and offensive. Consider, he just may be complimenting you on a nice pair of shoes, for God's sake. And furthermore... Where were all these people when all this rap music was talking about women and things to do to women that we can't even discuss this afternoon on this telephone? No, you're right. And sudden, your gum shoes, someone complimenting on your shoes is sending people cringing to the closet. Men are not going to hire women, and I don't blame them. Out of self-defense. They need to find the the best qualified man they can find and hire him immediately before he's inundated with applications for women because it is suicidal to do otherwise. Women have hurt themselves again with this junk
6: and it's a shame. Well the problem is Susan, first of all. The, you should have been in that segment <laughs> well said, and the problem is Susan, when we do panic over this hashtag me too movement, what happens is we lose we lose sight of the real victims and and and, and there are real women out there who have really been harassed and 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 they they need. They need us to take them seriously. At the same time, if we panic and every little thing that is considered sexual harassment, then then we lose track and sight of those women who truly have suffered. Uh, and, and, and and you're absolutely right, uh, grow some ladies, okay? So a guy likes your shoes, oh my God. Listen, we'll get to a point where we wish men were still looking at us and making cat calls. okay? So let's enjoy it until we reach that day. At least my shoes will always look nice. I guarantee it. We'll be back with more Sean Hannity right after this. Don't go too far away. That's right, it is. It is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Sitting in for Sean today, we're taking your phone calls at 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-SEAN. That total lib Cory Booker had retweeted the 12 days of feministmas. You didn't even know that was a thing, did you? So on the 12th, feminismus my true love gave to me, fair rights and wages, reproductive freedom, no victim blaming blaming, no body shaming, no BS diets. I'm all for that one, okay gender bias broken, shame-free breastfeeding, equality, proud working moms, male, ally, male allies, and no tampon tax and a grope-free Christmas party. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. So anyway, and by the way, did you notice that the Senate waited until Christmas before they told how many harassment settlements there were paid out? Yeah. They waited so that not a lot of people heard about this. They released a report revealing that the Senate has spent one and a half million dollars on workplace harassment settlements since 1998. We're gonna take some of your phone calls here. Let's go to um, uh, Cappy in California. Cappy? Hi, how are you today? I'm okay, Cappy, how are you?
13: I'm good. Um, I just wanted to call and I say, these women that are doing this stuff now, they did what they did for what they wanted. And now they're paying the piper, or they're trying to have somebody else pay the piper for them. My deal is I went into a man's field in 1968, and I proved my worth not by sleeping to the top. And these people, these women disgust me because what they've done is they got what they wanted, and now they want somebody to say, poor me, because they were willing to give up their morals and their, and their mentality to go after something. And then when these gentlemen took advantage of that situation, all of a sudden now they're victims. It's disgusting.
6: Well, Kathy, to be sure, that can be true of of some women, and but other women certainly have experienced. I mean, honestly, I've seen other women go through things like this, and uh, th- that they have legitimate complaints they really do and per, and there are others probably that have done exactly as you said but but that's why again you know we have to be careful and i, I like what um dc said you know not all of this even falls under anything illegal i mean we really we, we are in such a rush to judge right now it very much concerns me but Cappy, thanks for your call and i i understand what you're saying um dana is calling from salt lake city utah dana
7: Hi Rose it's a pleasure to talk to you. My mother's maiden name is Cassetta a hey, Paisan.
6: Oh yeah that's so Italian. I love it I love it I know they've
7: they're from Sicily I, I I have family over there I'd love to go there
13: someday
6: You should go I've been there I've seen my family I've got so many friends there I go I've been there over a dozen times. I love Italy just love yeah. the country I certainly do.
7: Someday, if you know, I have a business that keeps me anchored, and so of course. that's what I'm calling about. And and the, you're talking about the backlash, and you know, I'm I, my business is service-oriented, and we're in a very conservative part of uh, uh, Utah down by right. BYU and Provo, and uh, we hired a young lady out of uh, Southern California who was very smart and very capable, uh, and had a really nice car, and uh, <laughs> uh, she was just a little. Too much, a little bit too wild, a little bit too L.A. and uh, along with a, a kind of a potty mouth and things like that. And so, after about four or five months, we figured it's not going to kind of work out, and it wasn't, you know, a, a perfect fit. So we had to let her go. And she turned around and accused me of sexual harassment. I'm in my late sixties. I'm a bishop in the Mormon Church. It was oh, very my. embarrassing. Uh, my grandkids were, you know, upset about it. I mean, it really was a big deal. We got it all settled and all the dust has is, is settled down. And the end result is, Rose, is that we will no longer ever hire outside if we have a position open that we cannot fill from within the company and hire up, which we always did anyhow if the person fit and it was right. the right we will go within our community. We will go to our employees, friends, and relatives. We will go within our, our neighborhood, our church, and stuff like that. It's too much of a risk to bring in no matter how talented and how many uh, uh, letters they have behind their name. It's just not worth the risk if you don't know the people. And so it's kind of a pulling back from the open employee market. You know, well, that's, and that's well, a shame,
6: we, Dana, and that's what we were talking about. I mean, we don't want it to have a negative fa- effect. You know, um, honesty and legitimate complaints, yes, yes, but um, we, we do have to define, I, I, I think, what harassment really is, particularly in the workforce, and, and, and right now it's just so broad. It's so broad, but Dana, I'm sorry that you went through what you did, and I appreciate you being so candid and joining us today on the phone. Uh, we've got a caller from Florida. I think it's Shannon. Shannon?
0: How are you, Rose?
6: Hi, Shannon. How are you?
0: I am very well, thank you. Happy New Year.
6: Happy New Year.
0: Um, I was listening to the two uh, lovely ladies that you had on, and where I can tell you I agree with you to a point, I think there's one angle, I guess, of this feminism movement or whatever it is, which comes just not really sure how that happened, Um, that is being either overlooked, not considered, or ignored. But, and I'm happy to say, I'm, you know, I'm the the proud mother of a 25-year-old and two more after that. So, in my generation, the mother was at home, and there was a bonding there, that at least the child knew mommy's going to be home every day, and there was a, a, fam- a familiar bonding there. Kids don't have time to bond with either parent anymore. There's this disconnect.
6: And well, I'm not going to deny that that's true, Shannon. But at the at the same time, there are a lot of women that have to work, and they found a way to still greed. raise good and moral children. And and it really does come down to the parents whether they work or not. I, I think you're right about that. I mean, you, on the screen, it says here that we're we're lacking in, in certain morals in this society. I would think it comes more down to that. It's what we're teaching our children as adults and and what we're passing on to them. And and the responsibility they have to respect the opposite sex, both both your sons and daughters, and, and to be honest and to do the right thing as often as possible, as much as it depends on you, do the right thing and be at peace with others. I mean, these are things that we need to teach our children and, 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 and hope that they take those things into the workplace, into society as a whole, into their communities. And, and it really just comes down to the parents. And, and thanks, Shannon, for your phone call. I, I appreciate that. I think we'll take a break here listening to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant, and you can check me out on social media. I would love for you to do that on Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged, and on uh, Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. We'll be back with more of The Sean Hannity Show right after this. Welcome back to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for Sean. Today, I do a show called Rose Unplugged out of Pittsburgh. Check me out on social media. On Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Also, Periscope, Rose Unplugged. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Let's talk. You're calling from Virginia Beach. Hi, Rose. What an honor. You are so sweet and thanks for hanging in there. I appreciate that.
14: Yeah, hey, you're welcome. So I'll jump right in. And it seems like the Obama holdovers in the FBI are just way off track or hard headed because there's no evidence. And I lived in Russia for two and a half years, so I wow this whole probe. But it seems like there's no evidence, so they're just sort of being irrational. But I have thought since way months ago that there could be – they could be setting us up for an ambush that nobody's really talking about, and I think there's this ulterior motive. So listen to this. What if – because they plan – these Democrats plan long-term in a way – They that the
6: sure do. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You are so right, Jennifer. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Okay.
14: So right now we know our election process is secure because it's not online and no country is hacking into these school gyms and libraries and like holding guns to grandma's heads right, right. so it's okay. it's not hackable but millennials and i'm a school teacher and i know millennials really well they have been conditioned to believe that becoming more secure means updating 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 and so what if right now the dems are not only trying to disparage trump But they're trying to purposely create the longest, biggest, humongous headache and this horrible memory of this whole process about Russia and the election so that in 2020, they can say, look, it doesn't matter whether Russia actually hacked this election. What really matters is that they could have. And we know they could have. So we, what we need to do is update our old antiquated system, which right now we know is secure, but they're going to convince these millennials that because it's old, quote-unquote, it's not secure, and we need to update it. We need to centralize it. We need to bring it online, and we need to have security updates so that we can really make sure our democratic process is, quote-unquote, protected. And this is one of those things where they act like they're doing us a favor, but they are... Ruining something else And I think that they could make it So that it is hackable Because they're going to bring it online And the millennials will think it's such a great thing Because it's going to be modernized And it could be the end of our democratic process If it becomes hackable And if it's hackable We know that the democratic party is the party I hate to say this of the fraudulent vote But that's my belief And so
6: with that I don't think we could win another election If it's hackable I hate to say that Well, I mean, Jennifer, don't hate to say that. I mean, that's a very interesting theory. And I think there's a lot of credibility to that. And I think that you have a good understanding. And one of the things that you said that is absolutely spot on is the Democrats plan. They plan. We don't. We absolutely do not. And I think the other thing is that we're not, we still haven't figured out just how nefarious they can be, and we've got to always be on the alert. But you make some very excellent points, and uh, that's something certainly to consider, no doubt.
14: They could be playing dumb and we could be just laughing at them, and then bam, in 2020 they get us.
6: Oh, oh, is right. What were you doing in Russia?
14: we did missions back in 92 93 yeah it was a great experience nice. and hi um to all of my russian pals and i have to say nas, which means forgive us for all of this foolishness that we've dragged your country into
6: <laughs> wow interesting very interesting uh, well jennifer thank you and thanks for being so patient i really appreciate that for this program.
14: And now I know much more about you. So that's exciting. Well, I, thank hope, you. I hope Sean, he has so many great connections. I hope Sean will start to talk about not centralizing the election process, not bringing it online, because right now it's much more secure than if it were updated.
6: Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks so much, babe. Thank you. Let's go to Bill calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. Bill, thanks for your patience as well.
10: Yeah, not a problem. I think you've heard all the great points today, but I feel the Democrats are getting us ready because I think all – well, it's not even just Democrats. I think all politicians are scared of something like the Trump family, where the Trump family could be like the Candies or the Bush, where their family actually starts running also in the office.
6: Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, um, hmm, interesting.
10: Well, and I yeah. say that because most politicians, how do they do it? They make money off us, the people, as professional politicians. And I voted for Trump for the simple fact that this man's not a politician. That's right. He doesn't even have to be a politician, and he's already rich. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's right.
6: He didn't need this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He did not need this. By the way, did you hear, Bill, that a train station that's in the process of being built next to the Western Wall is going to be named after President Donald Trump? And the decision was made by the transportation minister there, I think is Israel Katz. And he said the Western Wall is the holiest place for the Jewish people. I have been there several times. I just I love it. It's such a beautiful place, and it is a holy place. And I put a very special prayer in there uh, 22 years ago. And uh, God answered that prayer, I have to tell you. But the Western Wall is the holiest place, he said, for Jewish people. And he decided to name the train station that leads to it after President Trump. And uh, that is awesome. And he said that this was because of Trump's historic and brave decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Uh, how many other presidents have a train station named after them that leads right to the Western Wall? <laughs>
10: follow up a little bit i want to know where the women are right now that's not tearing down anything the kennedy's did because the way i was taught in school they did about everything they came to women unless it's all false but they just talked about it but they didn't really put it down and i'm wondering where all these women are right now with the Kennedy family
6: well, that's interesting, too. Good point. Thank you, Bill, for your phone call. I have to let you go because we're getting close to the end of the show. And I just want to say thanks to to um, to everyone, really, that uh, called in today and, and all of the listeners. And I'm, I'm hearing from you on social media. And I really, really appreciate you. Thanks to Jason and Linda in New York. Also, thanks to my producer, Greg Maxwell, who's here with me today in Pittsburgh. Um, also, check me out on social media. Like me on Facebook. Follow me, whatever it is we do on there. And I do have fun on Facebook. Facebook, though, I have to say. You can see my sweet dog. Linda, you have to see the newest pictures of him. He is so adorable. I've got a golden doodle that is just amazing. And then this is what you do after you're you're an empty nester. You get a dog. Oh, my God. And Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. So be sure to check it out. And thank you again so much. And happy new year to everybody.
8: Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com
4: for more details. Born on America's darkest day, 9-11-01, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. They have been helping American heroes ever since. Now, when a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children they're left behind, Old Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home and they lift that financial burden. Now, for catastrophically injured vets and first responders, Old Tunnel to Towers, they build mortgage-free smart homes and that enables severely injured heroes to live more independent lives. And through their foundation's Homeless Veterans Program, Old Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and needed services to homeless vets, More than 3,000 helped in 2023 alone. And of course, the foundation's 9-11 Institute is helping teachers educate kids about our darkest day in this country. We hope you'll join all of us here at the Hannity Show and join their mission to do good and never forget 9-11 and these sacrifices. They're asking all of us to commit 11 bucks a month. So this great work continues. It's the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two,
8: the letter T.org. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink